Sunrift Adventures and Historic Travelers Rest South Carolina has been outfitting the foothills for over 37 years with the best boats, bikes, tents, and more. With great brands, Sunrift has you covered for every adventure. Stop into Sunrift Adventures' unique outdoor shop and say hello today. Go to sunrift.com for more information. That's sunrift.com. Nature's Edge is brought to you by the Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina, Western North Carolina's only magazine dedicated to the fishing enthusiast. Pick one up at over 400 locations throughout Western North Carolina or visit them online at theanglermagazine.com to find out more. And be sure to follow them on Facebook, Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina.com. Hey, guys. Nature's Edge. This is Dale Stewart. Today we're going to talk about journeys, and not just any kind of journeys. We're going to talk about essential journeys. How's that, Kimberly, for for an intro? Our guest in the studio today is uh, is a pretty amazing lady. She uh, she was raised and kind of grew up in in the wilderness uh, uh, of Fort Alaska. And, uh, no, I actually grew up in Delaware. <laughs> well, I knew I would have that wrong, but I know she spent time in Alaska. And, I did. Uh, and uh, so, and and she leads bicycle tours around uh, around the world and uh, makes soap and other stuff. And heck, Kimberly, welcome to Nature's Edge. Thank you, Dale. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you. Well, where are you Delaware? Delaware. My father was from Charleston, South Carolina, and my mother was from Winston-Salem, and he worked for DuPont, so we were based in Delaware. There you go. And then finally, you uh, now, you're, now you're a Western North Carolina girl. I yeah. am. We summered on the coast of North Carolina and then uh, spent five years in Alaska, and then back in the late 90s, I decided to move to Asheville, North Carolina. What in the world took you to Alaska? I went to Alaska because... I ended up getting a job with a bicycle touring company, and I had just ridden my bicycle across the United States uh, with my best friend from college. We had loaded 70 pounds of camping gear on our bikes and camped the entire way. There you go. And I just wanted to have more experiences in the outdoors, and I was excited to share the outdoors with other people. I wanted to either lead bicycling trips or backpacking trips, and I ended up getting my first big job as the... um, bicycle tour guide for a tour company in Skagway, Alaska. The uh, I did a phone interview, and Tom, the owner of the company, said, you're hired, but there's no housing, so you are invited to come up here, but you're going to have to live in a tent for the first five months. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, I really did want to get back to nature, and this was a great way to do it. And did you live in the tent? I did. I moved up there with my little two-person backpacking tent that I had used to bike across the United States with, and I lived in that for the full summer. Good. I mean, I think I think everyone needs to experience that at some point in their life. It, it uh, as you know, I've spent a lot of time in tents uh, all over the world and 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 hammocks, and um, I think it really makes you appreciate what we have when you when you do sort of get back to civilization for better or for worse i think that's very true that is exactly what it means to me and that's what i love about traveling around the world and seeing people living in uh, different societies different cultures and different civilizations and seeing what they have out there so tell me some stories about alaska ah (laughs) i got you but 
it's did you have any close encounters with with animals with the big and furry kind you know it's funny you ask that people always ask about the bears i was asking about moose and moose we, <laughs> we run into moose for sure um there are some moose i was living in skagway which is a little bit more like a box canyon and we had a bunch of brown brown bears down there uh, i was only 15 miles from the canada border so we went into the yukon often and up there you could run into more caribou moose um, elk. Uh, also, you'd have the opportunity to run into black bear and brown bear. Sure. And one particular time, I was bicycling back from Whitehorse into Skagway, Alaska. It's an absolutely beautiful road that was paved in the late 70s. And it was a 110-mile ride, and I decided to camp halfway back. And I was camping in the woods. When you're on your saddle all the time, on your bike seat, you sometimes need to use products to keep you from chafing. So I had pulled out some A&D ointment, slathered it all over myself, finished eating dinner, went to hang my bear bag and realized that the main ingredient in this A&D ointment is cod liver oil. And I had just (laughs) smeared this all over myself out in the woods. You became an appetizer. (laughs) Exactly. And I I immediately hung that that in the bear bag and Proceeded to not sleep the entire night. Proceeded every few minutes, I'd hear a squirrel in the woods or something, and I was sure that something was coming out to get me. Um, And that night, I did not see any bears, and I did live to tell about it. But just as I left camp the next morning and got back out onto the main road, there was a sow and two cubs coming across the road. So I I did run into them all the time, but I fortunately didn't have any um, challenging experiences myself. Any close encounters. You know, I tell people all the time... uh, you know, to have their bear bag, and and even in Western North Carolina with with the black bears, um, you know, you're cooking and and you're doing all of that, and then take all of that away from the camp and everything else. But I remind people too that the clothes that you had on when you're cooking are now saturated with with those smells. So a lot of people would, you know, they'll cook and then they'll they'll hang their bear bag up and they'll get everything away from the camp, and then they they have on the same clothes they cooked in, and that's what they climb into their tent with. Right. Not a good idea. No. No, not. not not good. Uh, kind of like covering yourself with uh, with with something that is an appetizer to uh, to bears. Uh, bicycling. Uh, uh, I, let's talk a little about that. I, I know you still lead tours in in different countries around the world, correct? I do. And and that's a and I know you enjoy that. You know, I I paddle. You you ride a bicycle. And it's funny when you said saddle. I ride horses, so I have a different idea of a saddle until you said bicycle, and then I, then I kind of figured it out. But talk about some of the uh, the recent journeys that, that you've led uh, bicycling. Uh, last year, I had the opportunity to lead a trip in the Volcano and Lakes region down in Chile, mm-hmm. and that's just a phenomenal place to ride a bike to uh, get to experience the whole area, the people, the food, and the terrain. It's really ideal for cycling. And and how long are, are generally are they different lengths? I mean these these cycling tours that you lead. They are the the shortest are four days. Uh, the longest trips that the company I work for does are all the way across the United States. So most of the ones I'm doing are somewhere between seven to twelve days. Now, do you guys camp or do you do the hotel route? For the tours, we do the hotels and bed and breakfast. I personally camp a lot when I do my own touring loaded, but when I'm heading out to guide a tour. Uh, they're all taken care of in hotels and B&Bs. 
when you know i i know some i had a, a friend of mine and his wife that did a bicycle tour i think in scotland or ireland i don't remember a few years ago but uh they, they suffered quite a bit because they really had not ridden bicycles in a long time and then they just decided to go do it and uh, i forgot how many hours a day they were riding but uh both of them complained about their behinds and everything else and that and their legs and that they it, it really they loved the scenery but it was really kind of a miserable time for them so i'm i would guess that if you're going to do one of these you kind of need to be prepared for it a little bit you know it's really a good idea to train for it it's a very good idea to take the time to get in the saddle ride uh, even if you're just riding three hours a week, just doing something can help you get there. But I'll tell you, if you do a cross-country tour, you will definitely get in shape along the way. It, it might be painful on day three and day five are always the worst. Yeah, I, I know when I paddle uh, long distances, uh, the, the uh, particularly if I'm doing a 1,000 miles or longer, I, w- I will actually gain weight prior to the trip, you know, so I've, so I've got that. And by the end of the trip, you know, I've, I will have lost a lot of weight. And, and uh, uh, just because you are, you're, you're constantly going. And and, and I, I don't always eat right when I'm doing uh, sure. trips like that. And especially at night, you know, you get you finally get to the point where you're going to camp and you just don't feel like eating. You just want to sleep and rest and do that. What's, what's the uh, – now, you work for a company that actually does the, the tours, and they are who? They are womantours.com. So it's an all-women's bicycle touring company. Well, that's just sad. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I knew that. But uh, and, and what is it again? Woman's it's Tours? It's w- womantours.com. So they can go on there, uh, the women of the world, and... Uh, and sign up to, and, to do these things. And sign up to join us for a week somewhere. The neat thing about us is that it's more about the journey than it is about get being the first person to a location. It's more about being able to stop and take pictures, not feeling like you're in a rush. So that's what I love about it is that it slows everything down. It's the kind of travel where I was just guiding through the Mojave Desert in Nevada. And you had time to go and stop at the overlooks you had time to read the signs you didn't have to be in this hurry just to get to the end and say oh i did my 100 miles yeah and i find that is that's you know the world we come from we seem to always be in that rush and i know i see people all the time when i'm up in the mountains hiking that are you know they're so intent on getting from point a to point b that they really miss not only the the beauty of the nature they're walking through but the sounds and and everything else that's out there they just they, they're just so intent on getting from that a to b and so i'm glad to hear that that you guys sort of take time to smell the roses if you will on your on your trips now do they are the bicycles is all the gear furnished or this they can do it either way we have bicycles here or they can bring their own bicycle we have a fleet of bikes on the west coast and a fleet on the east coast and what about international and then internationally we contract a local company there that supplies bikes so occasionally somebody will have their own special bike they want to bring but usually they'll just use the bikes that we supply there and I love the international trips because you really do get to experience the cultures. You get to stop in the little Italian villa and um, eat their local cuisine and then cycle on to the next location. Now, is all that included in the, in the tour? I mean, if you, if you book a bicycle tour, whether it's international or whether it's local, um, 
I guess it's it's like most tours. You you pay a fee, and that kind of covers what you need to do. You pay a fee, and clever covers all the dinners, all the lunches, and all the breakfasts. Sometimes there's a lunch or two that you're on your own in a town that you can choose what you'd like to get. And when the bikes break down, are you the one that uh, repairs? I would be one of them, yes. In in the field, and, and uh, I usually have tire problems every time I, I tend to ride a bike, but that's... That's uh we fix flats all the time and we always tell the clients, you know, this can be as much a part of it as you want to be. If you want me to teach you how to do it, we'll do that and if you would like me to just take care of it, we can take care of it and get you rolling in 10 minutes. That I will keep your number and my phone and the next time I have a flat out there somewhere, I'll call you and you can <laughs> you can come uh, come fix my flat. Um so nature to you is is kind of important, I take it, the whole outside world experience. It is. I've always been connected to the famous quote by Henry David Thoreau about, I went to the woods to live deliberately. There you go. And so to me, I just love the idea of taking out all the other things that we've imposed on this world and being out there and enjoying the nature. Don't you see when you take people on, on some of your trips uh, – sort of a, a mindset change with them they seem to take on a different glow or anything else after they've been out there for a while oh absolutely it's so fun to start with them at the beginning of the week and then by the end of the week to see the smile on their face and know the sense of accomplishment they have from their personal accomplishments and the opportunity to, to have visited a place um also when you uh Coming out of not not just Alaska, but but your other experiences in in camping and and uh, spending time out there in nature, but as sort of out of that, you ha- you have another business that uh, involves soap and other products, correct? I do. I started it about twenty years ago, and it's called Essential Journeys. So you can find me at essentialjourneys.com. And I felt like a part of my essential journey was combining traveling with creating things. And I always loved to make things. When I lived up in Alaska, I would make hats and headbands and sell them to the stores there. And after that, I decided to start making soap. So I started making soap once I moved here in 1999 and started very small scale, then started to develop different clients with stores. I sell a mass general store. I sell to the Arboretum and lots of different stores all over the East Coast. And um, <clears throat> just soap for humans, or do you make soap for animals as well? <laughs> Good question, Dale. Uh, we also make soap for dogs, but uh, most of the soap is for humans. And I expanded from that to do lip balm. I felt like I was always out in the woods and always needing some protection from the wind and the sun and the rain. So I developed a, a lip balm that's a good sun protection. Then I went on to develop candles, soaps, lotions, a whole line called the Appalachian Goat, developing goat's milk lotions, soaps. Now, do you manufacture all of that here in, in Western North Carolina or Asheville area? Or uh, Most of it's manufactured here in Asheville. Some of it we do at a facility in Swannanoa and some just east of here, but it's all in North Carolina. It's all North Carolina stuff. And you don't test your product on animals? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Because if you did, we were going to change this whole conversation, right. uh, Kimberly, to to a, to another kind. So, did did your love of nature sort of head you in that direction, or? 
you know, it did. And my love of travel. I would love to go to places in France and see all these lavender fields and start learning about the process of uh, creating essential oils and and then being able to take those essential oils and include them in my products. You know, they have great lavender fields in Texas. <laughs> they do? Oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> They're I mean, amazing, amazing fields there. Um, so the... Um, uh, the the uh, the essential the essential oils is sort of you think the next step for you in in the product development. I actually like to purchase the oils from these other countries and then bring them into the states and then use them when I mix them with shea butter and cocoa butter and other things in order to make body care products. Oh, I got it. I, I understand that now. I, so. Yeah, you know, I hear, I hear, and essential oil seems to be a big thing now. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that that use it and test it, including my wife. And and uh, I haven't got in there. I do, uh, I do appreciate the, the lip balms and those kind of things. As you know, I've I spent a lot of time in the, in our Arctic regions, and uh, particularly in the Antarctic, it is such a dry continent. Most people, I don't think, realize that Antarctica is only three percent humidity, and so when you're in the in that area. You have got to keep something on your lips and your face and anything that's exposed because it'll start to crack and dry out almost instantaneous. It's amazing how quick that happens. So Anyone who's active really needs to be using those kind of things. That's why I developed things like my Arnica salve, and it's a really great for dry skin, for cracked hands and feet. Uh, great for cyclists, for sore muscles. And then I went on to um, develop my most recent, which kind of goes back to my story about the bears in Alaska, is my crotch grease. And it's called crotchgrease.com. And Being a bicycler, I can understand. Yes. And so there's all sorts of products out there, but that's one that you can find in a lot of the local bike shops now. And uh, Essential Journeys, is it just EssentialJourneys.com if people it want? Is. And then can they buy directly from the uh, from the website? Absolutely. Just send you some money and you'll send them some product. Yes. That sounds sounds like a, a, a doable thing. What's what's next, Kimberly, as far as the uh, the bicycle world? Uh, in the bicycle world, I am actually headed to Europe this summer. I'm excited to be guiding a trip around Lake Constance, so starting in Germany, heading through Switzerland and Austria and back up into Germany. And after a few weeks over there, I will head to Tanzania. Um, the Tanzania trip I'm very excited about because it's actually a service trip that com- combines uh, coordinating with Global Bike and Global Bike provides buffalo bicycles to women in rural villages um, in Tanzania so that they have the opportunity to um, carry water uh, using this, be able to get to medical facilities, and be able to get to their jobs. Now, uh, when they do that, I mean, you know, it's one thing to to give someone a bike or something, but there's a lot of things that goes with it, chains and, and tires, as we were talking about earlier. So, do they also uh, uh, train the women in the use of the bike and how to fix them and all that kind of stuff? They actually do. They help these women set up their own businesses. Good. Uh, and so that's what else they'll provide is those services to learn how to maintain their bikes. They set up a little bike shop, and then Global Bike continues to help support them and how they can get the business. So is the Tanzania, is that a tour uh, that it, people are going to can sign up for? Or, this, or? So this year it's a tour that people can sign up for as well. And uh, once more, where do they go to do that? 
Uh, to to do the one through Woman Tours and Global Bike, it's womantours.com, but you can also go directly to globalbike.com, and they have a lot of different tours that they're offering. And if they don't remember that, but they, they remember Essential Journeys, if they come to that website, can they can they send you a message and say, tell me about the bikes? Absolutely. I have so many people who contact me about the tours all over the world. And, and generally... Uh, how many people will be on a tour? Does it vary? or You know, it varies. Uh, some of the tours, particularly in the United States, we need everyone to be able to fit into a 15-passenger van, so we would have 13 clients and two guides. But overseas, we usually have closer to 20 clients. Uh, we'll have an American guide like myself, and then we'll also have two foreign guides and probably even two foreign drivers and a support staff. And how do you deal with uh, risk and safety and first aid and all of that on your on your trips uh we have certifications ourselves in first aid and cpr and wilderness first aid and then we also have access where we know what what are the phone numbers to call where's the closest hospital what's the what are the avenue for us to use so all of that uh all of that stuff is already thought out uh that is the behind the scenes logistics that is the behind the scenes logistics uh which is is which I love. I love that stuff, the logistics and, and, and being a solo explorer, of course, I was always very, uh, conscious about risk and safety and, uh, because I'm out there by myself. So I have to be, uh, be extra careful. I would love to do a bike tour with you. I, I guess I could uh, wear, well, I have a kilt. You know, I'm Scottish, so that's almost a skirt. There you go, a kilt and a wig <laughs> and we'll take you along. And we could go, but you know, I, again, being solo, I would, uh, I'd love to do Tanzania, but I would just want to do just me and you or, you know, just no more than two or three people. Sure. uh, That way I enjoy nature more than I I do with a lot of people. Well, Kimberly, it was great talking to you and having you on Nature's Edge. Dale, thank you so much for having me. It was Um, So be sure and get in touch with Kimberly at uh, Essential Journeys. This is Dale Stewart, Nature's Edge. Run wild and free, my friends. Until next time. Visit naturesedgemedia.com. You can check out podcasts, videos, lecture archives from Dale, and much more. Thank you for listening to Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart, brought to you by Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina.